Today is June 4th, 2021. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chesakomaki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the opposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands were signed in September 22, 1877, with Treaty 7, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the Crown signing on their behalf. I honour the Blackfoot as the elders have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my name. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot McKinstis as Michelle Elliott, a very English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian Act and Post status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people, in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Quincho Tine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share what I know as I walk down the red road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, but I would love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel where you can subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. Now, today I am very lucky to be joined by two guests. And what had happened was I was on Twitter and I was chit-chatting and then I came across the scholarship. And before I knew it, I was able to finally have you both on my show. So I wanted to welcome you both, Brett and Leo. And uh, Brett, would you like to introduce yourself first? Yes. Hi, Michelle. My name is Brent Najwan. I am uh, a member of the Chippewas of Nawash Unceded First Nation in uh, Nayamayashing, Ontario. And uh, as you'd mentioned, uh, we're here to uh, discuss my late brother's, uh, uh, Brian, uh, uh, the scholarship that was uh, created by uh, uh, Leo and, uh, and the KPU department in his memory. So. Wonderful. And that's him in the background. It is my brother, Brian, right here. Yes. That's he, wonderful. Uh, a, uh, it's actually uh, 42 weeks today that, uh, that we lost my brother. So. My deepest condolences. All right. Thank you, Brent. It was most uh, profound loss of my life, period. I have, I have absolutely nothing I can, I can even compare it to. So. And uh, I don't know, I guess maybe when I start losing track of the weeks, some of the real healing will start, so. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that, Brent, and I'm sorry for your loss. Um, Leo, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Leo, and uh, I use she, her pronouns. I am a settler. I um, grew up mostly in Calgary, so on Treaty 7 lands, and now I'm here in Vancouver, so the territory of the Coast Salish-speaking people. Uh, that's where I work at, at Kwantlen Polytechnic University, and um, that's where I live, and that's also where I met uh, Brian, uh, who was one of my students at Kwantlen Polytechnic before he passed away last year. 
Well, let's get started on that. I um, I also, um, my deepest condolences to you for your loss. And I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about, um, you know, the first time you met him and how this uh, scholarship came to be. I'd love to hear from your point of view on all of that. Yeah, so, um, so Brian was in my earth science class and he, I mean, one of the things I love about Kwantlen is that we have small classes and we have a pretty diverse uh, student body. You know, a lot of mature students, a lot of students who are coming to school for different reasons. And it's just a, it's a very different student body than you'd get at a big university like UBC. So, so um, it's, and there's small classrooms. And so Brian came in and, and I think what stood out to me immediately was one that, that he was a mature student and so I always kind of like to know you know the mature students because I think they're a lot of fun and then he was also there with his friends uh Cynthia and um yeah and they they kind of always came as a pair and uh Cynthia uses a mobility aid device and Brian always was um just you know, giving her so much support and care. And, um, but then the first class, he, he, I would say, I think that this is from his perspective. He, he has this huge passion for geosciences and he, um, kind of right away hand shoots up and he's asking questions. And I think I just kind of thought, you know, they, they came across a little bit, I would say, as a challenge, you know, like he was kind of testing me to see what, what was I all about? And was I going to be able to help him with the questions that he had? But, you know, from my perspective, it's, you know, this hand shoots up and it's a challenge and I'm, but, you know, that's, it's fun. And I think, uh, I think it went well from his perspective. I thought, I think he thought, okay, um, she knows what she's talking about. So this can work. And then um, pretty much just right after that class, he, he sent me an email saying, hey, I have these ideas that I've been working on. And I'd like to meet with you and talk about the ideas. And so from there, we set up uh, recurring meetings where he'd come and show me the work that he'd been doing. And he had, I mean, it was pretty incredible. He had a very strong technology background and IT background, and he had been um, somehow, I'm, and I don't know exactly how or when it started, but something had piqued his interest about earthquakes and volcanoes in the Pacific Northwest uh, with respect to data. And so he'd spent a few years at that point scraping data off government websites and creating ways of visualizing it to look for patterns. And so he was really interested to, to know, you know, if there were patterns and if he could identify them and if he could explain them. So that was kind of the relationship that was built. He'd come and he'd show me things and he had that, he had this incredible passion, but he, he didn't have the, the basic science or geoscience background that he needed to really take these ideas and put them into a context that would would get, allow him to get in touch with the community that really could help him because you know I I am an earth scientist but I'm not a I'm not a seismologist and it's a world that I'm not there's so many different parts of geoscience that that's not 100% my world so we were trying to like get him moving in the that direction so he could take those ideas to people who would know. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, when you started talking about geosciences, I'm like, wait a second, you guys aren't in Calgary. We're not talking seismic. What's going on? But you are talking <laughs> seismic in a very different scale than I'm used to. So <laughs> yes, yeah, that's wonderful. So um, unfortunately, we have a scholarship in his name because uh, something happened to him. And I was wondering, how the scholarship came to be and, and what that was like for you. Yeah, if, um, I mean, yeah, so Brian passed away last year and Brent, I probably you would want to tell that part of the story. Um, well, yeah, Brian had um, um, 
had a history of heart problems. Uh, I guess about seven years ago, he had a heart attack. He had a stint put in his heart. And um, uh, so he, he realized that, that, you know, this health was not, you know, a hundred percent, you know, that, uh, that the, uh, the health issues were always sort of looming there. And uh, my, I came here actually, uh, we hooked up together about uh, two years previous to, to his passing away. Uh, and, uh, and ideally to try and, and sort of help him here. And, 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 and uh, because it is an acreage, there's a lot of work to be done. You know, there's yards to be maintained and a lot of work. So, so I was hoping to sort of help him with, you know, that load on this property. And, uh, but it didn't work because last August 14, he basically wasn't feeling well. It came on so suddenly. I mean, just one minute he was fine. And then the next minute he was just not feeling well and needed to sit down. And I was on the phone with 911 because of course we knew his history and, you know, we were so attuned to, you know, to, to any possibility of, of a problem. And while I was on the phone, he got up and uh, literally collapsed. I caught him as he as he fell to the ground, and uh, and he never got back up again. And that was it. Um, I, it took fifteen minutes for the for the ambulance to get here. And apparently, they took a wrong turn. We live in in uh, a rural area of South Delta, so that's um, and they had a new highway installed here a few years back. And I guess. It took a wrong turn and got blocked by the highway. So it took him 15 minutes actually just to get to the site here. And I was performing CPR on him pretty well that whole time. But, um, but I was pretty sure he was gone by then. So anyway, so. No, I'm sorry to hear that, but thank you for sure. Well, it, it's again, it's the, the trauma of it was, 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 something I had to deal with, you know, I mean, I mean, nothing really makes you question your own mortality. Quite like your twin brother dying in arms. So uh, for me personally, how it's affected me is I'm, you know, it hampers my ability to make long-term plans. <laughs> so um, it was the toughest thing I've ever had to deal with in my life. I have nothing, nothing but nothing but nothing to compare it to. And I hope I never, ever have anything to, 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 to surpass that, quite simply. So, and, uh, and it was soon after that uh, that, uh, that uh, Leo and, uh, and uh, the KPU geography department uh, let, it, let me know that they, they would like to start this scholarship initiative in, in my brother's memory. And uh, I felt so so honored that they would pay want to pay tribute to my brother like that. I mean, it was. I mean, I, I'm 60 years old. I've never known anyone in my life who's had a scholarship named after them, let alone my twin brother. I mean, oh wow! <laughs> so. Uh, the idea just like hit me like, wow, that's, let's do it. Like, I'm like, yeah. Uh, and I sat and thought there was not one negative thing about this I could think about. What's, what's the downside to this? Um, I couldn't think of a single thing. The only downside is, 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 was the creation of it. The idea that we had to create it, but past that, there's nothing but upside to this whole idea. So yeah, it, it, it was hard not to get, you know, you know it wasn't uh, hard not to get behind this whole idea. So, so we've been motivating each other, both, I believe, both um, Leo's been motivating me and hopefully I've been, you know, doing the same to her and moving this thing forward. And, and the last couple of weeks, we've had a, a couple of um, real positive developments in this and, and of course our appearance today on your show is one of those too so oh i'm so, we, so happy to hear that oh yeah so and because uh, the idea is we uh, you know you're going to allow us to to you know spread the word about this this incredible initiative this indigenous academic initiative the ryan Najwan memorial scholarship 
And uh, I'm not sure if we even had mentioned yet, but this is to be awarded to uh, Indigenous students uh, studying geoscience in a British Columbia post-secondary education or, or institute. So uh, Indigenous, you have to identify as uh, First Nations, Métis, or uh, Inuit, and then you can apply for the scholarship. Uh, although it is just an initiative now, our work is still to try and create it as a, as a, a full-fledged scholarship. But uh, Cool. It's a stage. It's a process, isn't it? It, it is a process. And mm -hmm. uh, this is my first scholarship uh, uh, <laughs> uh, campaign, so I'm, I'm sort of learning on the go. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, mine too. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah that's fair. Uh, Dr. King, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling me um, how you found out about his passing and what the impetus was to continue this as a scholarship. Yeah, well, uh, so at that point, Brian was taking his third class with me. So we finished earth science and we'd done um, atmospheric science. And now he was in my climatology class. And at that point it was during COVID. And so that class was online. Um, so I actually hadn't seen Brian that semester. And, and then I just got an email from, from Cynthia. So that his, his very close friend who actually Brent and Brian lived with Cynthia. So um, I just got an email from her very short, uh, you know, just very sad to say that um, Brian has passed away. And uh, that was a shock to me. Um, it was just really a shock. I mean, of course it always is. It's not something anyone is expecting, but yeah, I mean, Brian and I had these, these plans and these projects. And I mean, he was the first student I've ever had to have their own uh, folder in my inbox. And yeah, so, um, so, so it was a shock. And so I reached out to Cynthia and um, just, you know, said, of course, that that was devastating and was there anything that we could do and that I would love to come out and just visit her and see how she's doing because uh, actually Cynthia's also been in a few of my classes as well so um, I know her pretty well so uh, myself and one of my colleagues went out to the the farm where um, Brent and Cynthia and uh, Brian's partner Crystal are living and that's where I met Brent for the first time and I mean, it was just a really emotional thing, obviously horribly traumatizing for, for them. Um, I could feel that pain and it's in the middle of COVID too, which is um, really hard. Um, and I just, you know, kind of makes that pain harder because there's a limit to what can be done. And then um, Cynthia, really wanted to continue Brian's work. And I, I very much understood where that desire came from, but I, I didn't, and she asked for my help and I just didn't know to what extent that was going to be possible, you know, to pick up the bits of uh, this research program in, you know, someone going through someone's personal computers and files and code and, um, you know, I just didn't know if that was really something that was feasible, but I could definitely understand where she was coming from because I, this was such a, a, a loss. I mean, he loved the, the geological sciences, the geosciences. And I mean, for me, I just, you know, what can I say to lose that, that possibility for the science and for Brian is really sad. So, so what I thought, um, was you know well Brian couldn't couldn't achieve his dream but maybe we can help someone else do that now I mean Brian was indigenous Chippewas of Niwash but I wouldn't say that I mean we kind of it came up at times it wasn't really sort of a focus of anything that we talked about but it still felt appropriate as a theme for a memorial scholarship because I mean, I think that, I mean, as, I guess another thing that happened after he died is that I learned a lot more about his life. Um, Cynthia had written a really beautiful eulogy that, that 
um, and sh that shared a lot of the details of his early life. And I mean, there's just no doubt that, you know, his Indigenous identity and his the treatment of of him and Indigenous people um, had prevented him from achieving this dream earlier um, and maybe just in general. So although it wasn't a, a central theme of his relationship with me with respect to the the work we were doing it did feel did feel appropriate to to memorialize him with a, a, a scholarship for indigenous students and then as soon as I started thinking about it that way you kind of realized wow this scholarship doesn't exist there is no scholarship for indigenous students studying geoscience not that I have come across um, which is shocking because there is this incredibly twisted and intertwined and problematic and intimate and messy relationship between the geosciences and indigenous people and indigenous land. So it's kind of, it kind of blew my mind that it didn't exist. And then it was kind of like all these pieces came together and I was like, yeah, this, this is a perfect person to catalyze this scholarship and a, and a very needed um, scholarship and a very needed conversation. Um, oh, so, I have so yeah. much I want to say to that. Um, so where to start? What the reason why I had seen this on Twitter and it piqued my interest is because, you know, I'm, I'm native, I'm here in Calgary. Um, uh, actually, right now I'm in Lethbridge. So I'm just going to say that. But, you know, being in Calgary most of my life, and knowing how little um, Indigenous are welcome in public schools, let alone other schools, and the barriers that we face to get a grade 12, and then the barriers we face to get a university degree. And then, of course, you were talking about the messy, complicated relationship. I mean, our elders have talked about climate change and you know, the natural sciences, that's, that's all they've ever known uh, for thousands of years. So exactly. the idea that that's been excluded, you know, like these are the things that I've been unpacking all at once. And my work is with a company called Chaos and they, they got a grant from Canada, uh, Revenue Canada to talk about the Canada Learning Bond. And we've been unpacking how hard it is for Indigenous to want or to even possibly get a savings account, let alone, you know, save for university, let alone get support from their family to leave their reserve to go to university because the, the cities are so unsafe. Mm -hmm. So there's so much to unpack in what you just said. And for somebody like myself, who should have become an engineer had I say, had the same opportunities as others, you know, I, I was a drafter for wells and pipelines. And then when I had my daughter started to unpack how that is directly contributing to missing and murdered Indigenous women and to the exploitation of the land and climate change. So I, I were just so much on the same page there. So when you said that there was really no scholarship, I mean, you know, my daughter was really interested in sciences. And I, I hate to say it, the Calgary Board of Education broke her spirit. And um, I don't know if uh, public education will ever be her path now, thanks to the uh, damage that they inflicted. And that's not even Indian residential school, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that bigger picture yeah. of how hard it is to even exist as an Indigenous person in a society built to exclude you. And then um, and when you talked about heart problems, you know, mm -hmm. I've been on high blood pressure medication talking about you know, racism and colonialism, and that's not even including some of the other, you know, contributing factors in my past. So I just felt so much um, connection immediately to this conversation. And I think because there is a shift now going to more green energy and, um, you know, Indigenous in STEM, that we want to, of course, promote this. We want people to know this uh, scholarship exists. And, and I really wish, you know, it, we didn't have to have the scholarship. I'd rather not have it and have Brian here with us. No question. But the legacy of Brian is that someone like myself, who strongly believes in post-secondary education, we have a, an elder here, his name is Casey Eagle Speaker, and he coined the phrase, education is new buffalo. Um, 
because it it's what will help us you know get our food get our life yeah. and and you know we've we had to uh we had transition in this post-apocalyptic state of now being forced into a you know western world and western economy so um you know that's kind of uh i i think the impetus of importance to all of this conversation unpacking that that's a big deal and i don't know where were yes. you on your red road journey prior to meeting him leo i'm really curious because so did you got to get hit with all of this at once <laughs> i mean i i am I am a seller and I always will be. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I, I definitely, I just want to say that because I don't want to, I don't want to seem like I, I, I don't want to give myself more credit than I deserve. I, I definitely think I had started. I mean, I definitely had, I would say before meeting Brian, I've been really, been really interested in equity and diversity conversations. I mean, my kind of gateway, and I think if that's true for a lot of white women is through feminism. Um, luckily, feminism has become intersectional and uh, getting into feminism opened my eyes to all these other conversations that at, at the moment, for me anyway, lead to post-colonial um, conversations. And so I had started that um, and yeah, so I, I had started that and I had done some work with equity and diversity and then, yeah, and 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 it, it keeps going. I mean, on a personal level, I have a lifetime of, of uh, you know, unlearning and relearning to do. I love the work. I really look forward to doing more. And this scholarship has been a, a really just great, opportunity for me to, to do something, um, to take some action. It's been great working with Brent. Um, and I'll say as well at this, just at this point that, yeah, it is so difficult to unpack all these things. And, and I know that there's maybe people out there who are listening about, so it's a scholarship to, that is taking money from these colonial um, resource companies and and then giving it to indigenous people so that they can go to colonial educational institutions and then get jobs in colonial. So I know that that's so messy, but um, but I, I think that you know it's such a big issue that you you got everything has to be done and everything has to be done at once. And I think I had I think what I guess I guess what I could say is that I think I had un, unpacked my privilege. Mm -hmm. I need to unpack it more, but at that point with Brian enough to, when I, especially when I read his story that Cynthia had written and I thought about how everything in my life had lined up to put me in the position that I'm in and everything in Brian's life had lined up to deny him that position. Um, it's, it, I mean, I kind of, that's just so compelling. Um, and then to want to do something. And then I guess, with respect to the scholarship, yeah, we have to have these big conversations about decolonizing geoscience and all that kind of stuff. But um, but this is a start. I had yeah. That, this well, is yeah. that start and that bigger picture of like reconciliation. Like you're talking about a settler understanding all of this. Like this is what reconciliation is: is understanding that bigger picture and trying to create new structures yeah. for indigenous. So to me, like, this is such a great story of everything that you're saying right now. And, you know, and I know, Brent, you wanted to jump in too. So I'm sorry, let's, let's see, you can bounce off each other here for a bit. <laughs> well, it, just in, in, uh, in response to what Leo had mentioned about how it seems to be messy about having a Indigenous scholarship in the colonial system. Um, me, I just sort of just sum it down to the simple idea that knowledge is empowerment, right? that we need to sort of empower ourselves to be able to make decisions that, uh, that we're not, because right now we're relying so much on outside sources and outside consultants to tell us what's best for us. And when it comes to mining uh, the reserves or the uh, natural resources that we're finding or, or natural gas or the oil or the gold, the silver, the whatever, um, uh, 
and we need to sort of have our own people have that power to make those decisions, to have the knowledge to be able to make those decisions to say, yeah, well, we know what's best for our resources. All right. Mm -hmm. We know we, you know, we'll take your opinion, your advice, but we, we know what's best. Um, and if we can empower ourselves more in that, I mean, it's, it, it, it'll maybe smooth out the messy relationship between the, the, uh, the mill exploitation companies and, you know, because I mean, in British Columbia, 95% of this province is, is unceded First Nation. Yep. I mean, you can't put a shovel in the ground in this province without, you know, pretty well on native land somewhere. So um, this could be, you know, a, a, a start, like you had mentioned, to, to maybe smoothing out that relationship, uh, establishing more of a, a working relationship rather than an exploiting relationship, right? So um and uh, well and geosciences are so like adaptable like that's such a bigger conversation and, and I know here in Alberta like um I ran for public office actually because it was really clear um that the United Nations um had changed their basic policies towards climate change and that Alberta was going to be left in the dust and one of our um you know leading scholars Dr. Kevin's Taff, he wrote a book about it as well. So I knew Alberta needed to change and we've been talking about geothermal changes and transitions, but we need natives um, you know, in, in these leadership positions too, because of, these are our lands. So I, I'm in total agreement with what you're both saying. And, and then of course, the bigger picture is that geo, geosciences are bigger than just you know, Alberta, oil, gas, you know, oh, geothermal, it's, it's so big, it's so big, yeah. A lot of a lot of natural uh, indigenous knowledge that they've gained through the centuries is geoscience knowledge, right? Yeah. It's, the, it's the knowledge of the land. That's what they've been doing for for millennia, right? So, yeah. uh, uh, the idea now is just to formalize it, right? Totally. And of course, there is a big big push now to really braid indigenous knowledge along with the actual Western uh, knowledge and. And, I'm, and, and, and if you can do that, I mean, we can sort of help not only each other, but maybe it'll be a benefit to the, to the environment as well. Once we start looking at the indigenous view a little bit more as opposed to, to, to sort of the Western culture view of natural resources. Um, I read this on Twitter, I'm stealing it, but I th it, it was basically, we have to look um, at this whole thing in that we did not inherit the land from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. Yes. Yep. Now, if we all sort of took that philosophy, if we all just sort of looked at it that way, maybe we wouldn't be so much, oh, it's, it's here for us now. Let's just help ourselves mm -hmm. doing everything we want with it, right? We have to understand. We, we, you know, our children and their children and their children are going to need to use this land too. We need to leave something behind for them. So, so uh, I believe the idea of indigenous and Western um, uh, knowledge is that braiding and that, that intertwining is that we can maybe be a little bit kinder to the land than we currently are. So, yeah, I agree. And, and hopefully some healing take place, but uh, that bigger picture too of like, structural changes that need to happen within the school system, you know, anti-racism training, indigenous education, like that's a whole other episode, I swear to God, but the bigger picture of, you know, I, so here in Calgary, we, um, the Calgary Board of Education got shamed into changing their school name finally from yeah. Langevin to- Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thanks. I, I, it's really hard to celebrate because it took, yeah. you know, 215 bodies from yeah. Canlopes yeah. from beyond the grave for them to finally get internationally shamed enough to do it. Not because they wanted mm -hmm. to, in fact, it, no, they resent it. So um, that bigger picture, I'm just glad we're, it, we're moving forward but structural changes that need to happen. We also need to make structural changes so that Indigenous can be successful. And that's what you're doing. So that's super exciting. And that's what I'm, I'm uh, excited about. But now the, the scholarship is a process. So I, I wanted yeah. to ask you, Leo, like what, what did that start like? What did it look like? And, and where are you in that process? Yeah, well, I thought, hey, this is a great idea. It'll be easy. Everybody <laughs> will think this is a great idea and the money will pour in. Yeah, so um, 
it's a grassroots effort for sure. There's uh it was not easy. It hasn't been easy. Um, it, uh, yeah. So, I mean, first thing we had to do was find a host for the scholarship. Um, you know, we weren't going to incorporate as a foundation ourselves. Um, so we had to find a foundation that already existed who would you know, administer the scholarship, collect the, uh, the donations, issue tax receipts. And so kind of, we looked around for different possible hosts. And I mean, KPU, so Kwantlen Polytechnic, where, where I work and where Brian was a student was, was a possibility, but that is, that's limited, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a limited student population and we don't actually have a geoscience program there. Uh, we're working on it, but we don't have one yet. So it wouldn't have totally made a whole lot of sense. So, um, so what I thought would be a great sort of brand for it was engineers and geoscientists of British Columbia. So in mm. Alberta, I believe that's APEGA. So the Association yeah. of yeah. Professional, yeah, engineers and geoscientists. Yeah. So, um, so I did approach them and, you know, they are, they're pro-industry, they are, they represent industry and, but, but they're, they're a brand that's recognizable. They're a brand that is going to be around for a long term, for a long time. And um, they do have a foundation that already administers scholarships. So I approached them and uh, the board of directors for the foundation was very, very keen, very supportive. But um, it is, it's volunteer run and they basically, they said, you know, we're keen, but essentially we need proof of concept in the sense of, you know, you need to amass $50,000 before we'll formalize the scholarship because they didn't want to formalize it and then kind of have it not take off. So fair enough, but it puts us in a, in a bit of a chicken and an egg scenario where we are trying to raise $50,000 for a scholarship that doesn't yet exist. And we can't accept your donations yet. So we need, we need like a commitment that in the future you'll donate. So it's been difficult to sell um, because of that lack of formality, but we can't get the lack of formality until we get the money. So it's been, it's been a, a kind of a song and a dance, but um, but there's been, so we're at $30,000 right now. Yeah, so very happy about that. And actually um, EGBC, Engineers and Geoscientists British Columbia are also pretty happy with that. And they have said that they're going to um, bring the terms of reference for the scholarship to their June meeting and um, hopefully move forward with formalizing before we even get to the 50,000, which is really going to help, um, which is really going to help that. And so, yeah, the, the fundraising has been kind of piecemeal, approaching various different um, companies in British Columbia, some individual donations. Brent's been running a GoFundMe. Uh, Brent's been doing an unbelievable job on Twitter. I, I quite literally mean unbelievable because I didn't, I know that Twitter is a big thing. Uh, you know, I've heard that, but I, it's, it's, a, you hear about the power of social media, but it's hard to actually believe it until you see it in action. And so Brent went from being someone who'd never owned a cell phone to just like social media, like a pro and it's paid off. And we got a huge grant from uh, Fortis BC that what happened because Brent um, tagged them in a post and then they reached out to me and, and so, and yeah, so it's been, it's really been a collaborative effort. I really mean that and not just in the sense of bringing the money in, but of just sustaining the enthusiasm for it, right? So, um, so we've hit 30,000, that's where we're at. And we, uh, hopefully we'll have it approved by the end of June, fingers crossed. And then. And we're not putting any pressure on them now, Leo. What's that? So it's not oh. like we're putting any pressure on them now. No, I wasn't no. sure we did yeah. that. But okay, you've, you've let the cat out of the bag. Okay, let's go yeah, with it. Yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> it's an informal chat, right? I mean, caveats, it might not happen. Yeah. It's just an informal chat. That's right. Yeah, just, just a conversation. Like 
Yeah, you know what, this is really exciting because it is June and June is Indigenous Month. And um, I think mm. uh, the tragedy that's happened of, uh, you know, uncovering the new 215 um, bodies, I think that has um, really galvanized folks to understand Indigenous issues at a different level. And okay. I think that, you know, people are looking for things to donate to right now. I bet you we could get mm-hmm. Canadians to put top up those $20,000 right now because they, they're looking. Sorry, Brent, what were you yeah. saying? No, that was my computer. It, 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 and that's just the time. It's four o'clock. <laughs> that's what the computer said. Uh, and, uh, oh no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please go on. Oh goodness, no! I just thought maybe you had a had something you wanted to add. So I um I appreciate that. I I yeah, for me, I, I really want to see this scholarship not just happen, but I hope to see donations as well. So what I'll do is uh, of course promote it. And um, Settler Saturday, I, you talk about the power of social media. <laughs> Settler Saturday is. Um, something that's got started because, you know, it's interesting. I had a conversation last week with a friend and it became very clear that a lot of settlers are always worried about getting scammed, but they don't understand indigenous issues. So Settler Saturday is one of those um, impetus moments of understanding that there is extreme oppression dynamics. And I think settlers that don't understand it think everything's a scam. But I think settlers that understand the barriers that we're up against understand the importance of um, asking for money. So Settler Saturday is a hashtag on Twitter to ask for money. And usually it's like, you know, single moms who are making, having a hard time making rent, someone breaks their leg and can't make rent. That's usually what Settler Saturday is kind of for. Um, But I think Settler Saturday, obviously, in this case is going to be, hey, if you want to give... you know, a donation to uh, this that would help get the scholarship going. And I think that could be a really, um, you know, important thing to utilize for the next um, uh, month even. So mm-hmm. that's something I wanted to bring up and, and hopefully we can, you know, utilize that uh, hashtag to try to bring awareness to it yeah. as well as hopefully the podcast yeah. people will be like, hey, this is legit. Yeah. So maybe they'll feel good about donating yeah. some money. Yeah. Yeah, I'm putting pressure on if they work for companies, anybody who's, um, you know, related to the resource sector. I mean, I'd hate to take any money away from single moms who, you know, need to pay the bills. But if, um, you know, if anybody works for a company um, who who wants to do something, um, then absolutely your corporate money, uh, we would love, we would love it. And I'll also just say that um, the scholar, the money is one thing. And I, I definitely kind of, I'm a bit of a cynical person and I definitely had a bit of cynicism going in like, oh, just, you know, give us your money, you know, you know, that you just want this, this social license to operate kind of thing. But I've actually been um, legitimately pretty um, surprised and happy about some of the conversations that have happened with some of the companies. Um, I mean, some of the companies definitely are just like, yeah, okay, here's the money on with the day. But some of them are like, well, I mean, yeah, we could do the money, but we really want to know what, what can, what's somewhere, what's a really meaningful thing that can be done beyond just money. So, um, what what we're hoping is that the scholarship is is one thing, but it will also catalyze, um, you know both some in-kind sort of uh, work placement, experiential um, mentorship kind of opportunities for scholarship applicants. But then also more importantly, um, you know, can we use this to, to catalyze bigger conversations within geoscience? Because of course, if, it, if geoscience is going to be a place that Indigenous um, people want to be, then it probably has to change as a culture. So those conversations have to happen too. So the more we get industry involved in this, the more uh, the more we can use it to push those kinds of conversations. I think that's um, brilliant. That's called Action Ninety Two. Is um, you know business uh, understanding their role in calls to action. So and and indigenous issues. So I think that's brilliant. That's exactly what we need. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I it feel, does. Yeah. No, go ahead, Brent. 
I mean, well, it does. It creates conversations, right? I mean, there's so many levels that I've found to this scholarship uh, in, in, in what it's, uh, the goals and what we can achieve with it, right? Of course, the surface being that we can help students with their, you know, with, uh, with their studies and geoscience but also what it'll do to the communities once we, we get these graduates who are out there into the real world. And, uh, and in essence, you know, strengthening the, the indigenous uh, scientific community, right? As uh, I've mentioned uh, in my, in my uh, literature that I've put out there that we are so underrepresented in the, in the STEM occupations out there, uh, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics that uh, that we need to sort of empower ourselves a little bit more in those disciplines and uh, and, and allow us to begin uh, 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 make more of those decisions those hard those big decisions to be that need to be made and not have them made for us so and, yeah and you uh, know I'm seeing a real shift with the students taking over in a lot of um, like indigenous students that have gone through university going back to their res and yeah. being a part of that conversation of cleanup, for example. So, cause um, usually what happens is that industry and development happens upstream so that they can basically kill all of our water and animals and plants and they, they get to take all the profits. And I think there's a, going to be a bigger shift here where you know, we need to be talking wealth distribution. Um, you know, I, there was an article that came out from somebody saying, you know, oh, a lot of natives actually are pro industry. And I'm like, no, they're, they're pro no long, they, they don't want poverty anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I want to put out a rebuttal against that, where it's like, you know, there's, <laughs> there, there's a bigger problem of wealth distribution that's happening in the oil and gas industry, in the fossil fuels. And that is the problem. You know, if that uh, money was being properly distributed, that would be different. Um, but it's not. And, you know, we, we see that all across Alberta. So this lie that gets put out there that, you know, not all natives are anti-industry. You know, it, we are pro-industry if that means we get to benefit from it. But if our drinking water has to be shipped in, um, then no, we are not benefiting from it. And if we're like all Albertans are actually going to be stuck with this huge bill of abandoned wells and pipelines um, in the billions, actually. Mm -hmm. And because we just didn't set up the proper policy. And I mean, if Albertans who are white settlers are feeling that, just imagine what it's like being in uh, Indigenous community downstream from these, um, you know, developments. So that bigger picture, I'd love to have those conversations and I hope that they start changing that conversation because it's just absolutely atrocious mm -hmm. that anybody in this country has uh, dirty drinking water, anybody, let alone that we basically are killing the herds of caribou, uh, you know, bison being eliminated. So, you know, only now are they herded, right? So anyway, but I'll eat it. At least it's more digestible for me to eat than some of the other uh, food that have kind of been imposed. But my people are the hair people, so I'm supposed to be eating rabbit a lot more, but I don't. I don't think I've ever ate rabbit, ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I really appreciate you, you coming to the show and giving me a debrief. Is there any other closing thoughts that you wanted to include that maybe you got missed? And maybe we'll start with Brent. Um. No, I think we pretty well covered, uh, you know, what we're trying to, to accomplish here today and spreading, getting the word out about this incredible uh, Indigenous uh, initiative. And, uh, and that, uh, that it is an initiative, though, it is not a full scholarship as of yet, and that we still have work to do. And that means that we do need support. We need, we need the donors, we need donations. Uh, you know, if you're going to be the corporate donor, uh, you know, Leo is the, is the person you, you contact, all that information's online. Uh, and uh, uh, if, uh, if you're just uh, an individual who's, who's uh, been moved by what we have said today, I'm running a GoFundMe campaign. It's called the BNMSF, the Brian Najuan Memorial Scholarship Fund, and the acronym BNMSF, so on Twitter. So, and, uh, and uh, also for GoFundMe. So, but we need your support. We want to make this a reality. 
Um, Leo mentioned earlier that the EGBC is uh, is going to be having a June meeting to discuss the possibility or, or discuss formalizing the award. Uh, that's not a mortal lock. Uh, it's not 100%. Uh, so uh, we still at least need to raise some more funds. So any any aid and support that people can uh, uh, can give uh, would be so appreciated. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Brent. Uh, Leo, would you like, are there any other closing thoughts that you want to uh, include that maybe we missed? I mean, I think what Brent said is is sort of our, our key message here that, but also, you know, beyond, um, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who, who maybe love the message, but can't contribute. And we also um, just having community support for it and, and a show of community support. So whether that's retweets or, or whatever um, is great because like I said, it's, it's hard to, that grassroots issue is, uh, it's an issue because you need to get that legitimacy in that platform. So even just, you know, that kind of interaction is great. But yeah, I guess my only closing thought would be just thanks a lot for having us on, Michelle. It's been great. And thanks for all the work that you do. And I just am so happy that we're having these conversations and I'm really looking forward to more conversations like this and the million things that have to be unpacked about everything, so. Oh, me too. I'm so happy you were here and that I got to meet both of you, actually. This has been my pleasure to get to know you both and get to understand a little bit of uh, where you're both coming from. And of course, the most important part is that, um, you know, my deepest condolences for losing Brian I just find um, a lot of hope and inspiration in what you're both doing in creating a structure for Indigenous uh, going into STEM. And I just applaud you both so much. It's really been my honor to have you both on here and to be able to walk this small journey. And because I'm in Calgary, my hope is that there will be some corporations that have been monitoring me, I'm sure for very good reasons, that Definitely. maybe they'll hear it and think this is something that we can do in a constructive way. So let's hope so. Um, so with that, I'm going to do my exit and I can't thank you enough for both being on this show. And I, you know, if you want to stay on and listen to what I have to say, you're more than welcome to chime in. And uh, if you, you think this might be the end, then just want to say thank you again one more time. And uh, with that, I want to say I am proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural training safety or first aid for almost all of them to create a safer place for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. It is June, so it's not just Indigenous month, but it's also Pride Month. And uh, I honor that. So, and, and I, I think I'll just take a moment here just to honor the two. Sorry? I was just going to mention that June, is it June 21st is National Indigenous History Day. So. That is correct. Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. And actually there's a World Refugee Day in June as well. And that's an important conversation for, especially Canada, because Canada brings in refugees as mandated by the United Nations. So, you know, a lot of our neighbors are refugees and uh, they also suffer from intergenerational trauma thanks to colonialism and Western intervention. So it's really important that we acknowledge all of those things in June. So thank you for that, Brent. I appreciate it. Um, I want to say thank you to the authors of Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch and Alicia Frinkin. They have here to help.bc.ca, Indigenous people and cultural safety and why I should care about it as kind of a guideline for folks that are like, I don't understand why aren't more natives at the table? And it's like, well, do you hear land acknowledgements? Do you ever introduce yourself as a settler? No, well, maybe you need to read what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it if you truly want Indigenous people at the table. Uh, their work are those cultural action tools that I've said hundreds of times in my podcast. So please support Indigenous work as part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. Um, racial tools 
or, sorry, racialequitytools.org is a great resource for many things, including internalized racism. And Donna Bevins has a piece there. There's uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends of Service Committee. And the, these, these are things that when you see racism, how to intervene in a positive, constructive way. Um, if you see or experience racism in Alberta, report it to Act to End Racism or text at 587-506-3838. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities. Know that your vote for that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, the multiple re reports on child welfare reform, violence prevention programs, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. And yesterday was actually a really important date of it's being the two-year anniversary since those 231 calls to justice were released. Um, there has been a release on some action plans. So I have yet to go through them, but I wanted to highlight specifically um, a sub, uh, sub-mental part of Two-Spirit to acknowledge um, the gendered violence there. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Um, and I'm just gonna bring it up one more time, those 215 children. Um, I'm, I'm angry still, even though it's been a week because of Canada's reaction to it. Um, I know that a lot of people are aware of it for the first time, which means they were lying to my face that they had read the 200 or that they had read the 94 calls to action because it's clear as day. We did a whole volume book on our book club. Our book club through the Calgary Public Library is still available if you are in Calgary for folks who want to know. If you're not in Calgary, please nationally, there has to be book clubs to help educate folks on this. And the folks that are in my book club or were directly the ones that worked on the land driven name change because reconciliation takes action. Just as Leo is doing action when it comes to the scholarship to create a structure for indigenous students to go into STEM. You know, the action is everywhere. So when I talk about whether you're, you know, talking about your clubs, your community association, your organizations that you're a part of, everyone plays a role in reconciliation and it's not just a government role. So yeah, gaslighting, needless to say, that's how I'm feeling and I'm angry about it. Um, our people are experiencing racism in the educational justice and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. Uh, those who are following Corey Ashley's um, uh, posts and emails, we are just putting together an e-petition to try to encourage the lack of, um, you know, acknowledgement of racism in health. So, and he wants to work on a lily cam. So if you're in agreement with that, please sign his petition so that you can keep updated on these demand changes from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs. A really great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we're talking about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can also text at hopeforwellness.ca. If related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. Uh, it is toll-free, 24-7 crisis line for folks. And for non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area with functioning 211s. <clears throat> you can also call 833-456-4566. And if you're experiencing racism in Alberta, report it to Act to End Racism and text at 587-506-3838. And there's also the Trevor Project for LGBTQ2+. They have tons of lines for youth 
for trans, for peer support, and of course, there's the kids' help phone as well. Um, you can go to life life bleh. you can go to lifevoice.ca for LGBTQ crisis supports, and of course, the kids' help phone is one 6868 And I was one of those folks who actually phoned them when I was younger, and I'm old, so they've been around. <laughs> Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast to speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to give us theirs, usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, the issues of colonialism, the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, just typical microaggressions, and people who are dealing with internalized racism those who are gatekeepers that survive off the status quo and people who are in their trauma. So they stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. That's why I started this podcast as a boundary to be heard. Thank you to my ancestors, my granny and my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, um, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots, and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. Just through her, I am a second generation proud Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Darcy for producing and editing the show. On top of being my husband, he's been my childhood friend, father of our child, and my support down the red road uh, that I've experienced and has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. To our child, we are blessed to learn from daily. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and you can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel where you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and hidden posts. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you for being on my show.